Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. The following discussion will involve spoilers and may contain strong language. Today, as part of our Christmas special, we'll be looking at our nice list, where we discuss Santa Claus the Movie, directed by Jeno Swark, and Love Actually, directed by Richard Curtis. Hello and welcome to the Rewire Movie Podcast. Kids, don't do drugs. Become a podcaster and they give you the for free. It's Gally in Glasgow. I'm pitching a knocker for the Yankees. What does it look like? <laughs> Here comes Patrick from London and he's got a big knob. <laughs> we need Kate and we need Leo and we need them now. It's Matt in South Korea. Welcome back, listeners, to part two of our naughty and nice list for Christmas. And today we're in our nice list, and it's mine and Patrick's choice. And we'll just get straight into it, shall we? Patrick, which film did you decide as a traditional rotation in your household around this seasonal holiday? Well, we're going for Santa Claus the Movie from 1985, directed by Jeanette Vog. <laughs> I've written it. Hold on. I've written it. How do you pronounce it? One and only Adele. Ah, it's Jeannot Swok. It's like Jeannot Swok. I panicked there. I was like, shit, I'm introducing it. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, yeah, of course, the, the director of Superman, uh, no, excuse me, Jaws 2, there, um, produced by, um, uh, Salkind, who did, uh, the Superman films. Um, do you want a synopsis of the film now? Yeah. Yeah, go on. Because some people like me, it, until last week, were, were adamant that it was the Tim Allen Santa Claus movie. I don't, I, and eventually Devlin steered me on the right direction. <laughs> if you'd have put your the Santa Claus for nothing. <laughs> uh, okay. This is the story of a master toy maker who discovers a magical kingdom of elves in the North Pole and becomes Santa Claus. But when Santa's eager to please um, Elf Patch, someone new has come to town. Patch! Patch! From the old <laughs> North Pole! <laughs> and he leaves, leaving there to the big streets of New York. He becomes mixed up with a dastardly toy tycoon, played by John Lithgow, and plans to take over Christmas. And so begins Santa's adventure to rescue his joyful elf and to save Christmas for all the children of the world. Yeah. Oh, it's magic. It it's magic. Um, it's Christmas <laughs> all over the world. Sugary sweet is not good for you. <laughs> 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 well, I, I was, I was acutely aware that this might not have been Galley and Devlin's cup of tea, this film. Matt, we, we've had a little yeah. slight conversation about really enjoying the super duper looper before, because that is, <laughs> yeah. uh, definitely a, a, a highlight of the film that makes no sense whatsoever. But, um, mm. this for me was, it, <laughs> I've, I've never remembered a time where I've not seen this film at Christmas. This is something I always watch with my family 
every year uh religiously this <laughs> this is gonna sound really stupid but this for me is santa claus this for me is the north pole and i was really uh excited to watch the making of documentary um last night actually yeah. which i'd never seen before it's on the dvd it's really good yeah, me too i saw it today yeah. I thought, I thought it was great. And it just, um, hammered home for me, like, that they play it out. Like, um, Darby O'Gill, Devlin, maybe we watch that. Yes. But they play it out that Huddleston is Santa. So we're talking to the real Santa Claus in this oh, documentary. Okay. And, they, and they've hired him to be Santa in the film <laughs> and then turn it around. <laughs> and I love all of that. And that's fantastic because when I was a child, this is the complete, I believed it completely. That North Pole is the North Pole that I believe in. That workshop is the work- workshop I believed in. And this Santa yeah. is the definitive, like, real Santa Claus that I was watching w- when I was watching these films. This film, excuse me. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, like, there, there's the John Lithgow thing as well, because my uncle and my cousin, they live in Brighton, and they'd come up for New Year to visit on Christmas, and we'd always call it Christmas 2, because <laughs> yeah. we, we'd have Christmas Day, and then when they'd come, it'd be Christmas 2, and yeah, that, that was kind of my background with this film. Oh, I'm so glad you said Darby O'Gill. I had all sorts of flashbacks to episode whatever it was when we did Darby O'Gill. You've done it again. It was basically like the Future Armour episode. I was like, Robot House! <laughs> 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 Watching this, I was like, he's done it again. He's picked a whimsical, <laughs> joyous film that is going to make me look like an absolute arse for just kind of going, what is going on? So you've never seen it. it before? No, I'd never seen it. I, no. I was convinced I was watching the Tim Allen film. And then, and then, like I said, luckily Devon steered me on the right direction. So I managed to get a hold of it in time. Oh, shit. And I, when I started watching it, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is one. I mean, I like the art direction is just stunning. And I'm sure we'll get into some of the mm-hmm. detail and then and then i i did a little bit of research after it and i was like oh yeah this does feel like a superman adjacent film <laughs> like the the origin story of santa claus which had, i'd never really seen before mm-hmm. but it's it's stretched out to an hour isn't it it's basically the start of claws all the way up and then he gets ditched which I, is kind I, of I, 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 we're flashing films galley D- did you get it in this one oh massively i mean john lithgow though thankful that he comes in for a different type of energy there isn't i don't want to get all technical but there is no plot for an hour like it just it just sort of meanders in this world which is great as a kind of hallmark postcard <laughs> of world of, of the north pole and I, I can absolutely get how as a child this is almost like you don't need your parents to tell you about santa claus uh-huh. watch this film and it does it all uh-huh. um it's really oh, oh god he's doing it uh-huh uh-huh just go to the point, Gally. Stop making me say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, do you want me to get to the point? I found it very, found it very strange that a film that would cost this much money had a script where nothing happens for an hour. Like, literally, and I get it, it's the origins of Santa Claus, but I was like, we could do this in two minutes of a prologue. I mean, like, Lord of the Rings, it, just do an 11-minute prologue and then get to the story. I have, I have, I have uh, follow-up questions. First up, I would just... Follow-up questions. Patrick, I did actually find it kind of fascinating, and I can totally yes. see that if I were a kid when I watched it a lot, I can mm-hmm. see why I would have invested a lot in it and why I would get full like nostalgic glow from it. But because it wasn't, I've seen it before, but only in bits and pieces. I've never actually sat through the whole the, the whole film, and I certainly haven't seen any of it in a good few years. So without that, I did find it as Gally does 
very confusing. Um, uh, see, um, I, I have, I know it back to front again, and I don't question the logic of it at all. I, I was reliving a childhood thing when I watched it. Um, so I didn't really bring in anything like plot into question at all. The, the, the only, the, the one thing that I found fascinating about the beginning that Galley's referring to is that there, there could be a different reading there that makes it a bit deeper that I'd never noticed as a kid. Like if he, if he really dies with Anya in the snow there, if he really dies, then um, the legend could be spun out of that prologue. You know, the kind man who visits kids and gives them a sack of presents. He dies in the snow attempting to deliver them. And then everything else, it's kind of like a death dream. It's like he's he's immortalized by these people who knew him. He turned into fable. Uh, it, and the, the film itself becomes Santa's idealistic dream of what he, he wanted to do. I don't know if that's too Nolan for anyone, but I, I thought that could, that could be read that way, but I never read it that way as a kid. But, um, I, I would defend the, the origin story because I've never seen it done and I, I still find it very, very believable. And I like the actor. I think he's terrific as Santa and, uh, the big Lebowski. Yeah. I completely agree, Matthew. Like, I I don't really know of a Santa origin story like this, but it kind of makes sense with the producers coming from Superman and origin stories that way. Mm. Um, but it, it's definitely the everlasting elements. This film is the first hour of galley that you, you've described because all that magic and wonderment of Santa and the North Pole and everything that that's the stuff that really, um, swept me up when I was a kid, really did. And then you get the yeah. consumerism uh, plot to, to, towards the end. Kind of feels uh, a little bit tagged on. I mean, it's essentially like a, a first draft of Elf, in a way. Kind of feels yeah. that way. Um, all the love from this, right? The the visual yeah. of uh, Patch leaving the North Pole is, yes. is yeah. really, really, really similar. Yeah, that's all kind of a, a device, isn't it? Because he has to become Santa and then he has to be doubted. He has to be brought down to his lowest ebb, as they say, and then mm-hmm. he has to come back. So I guess all the Lithgow stuff and the patch stuff is just to, um, it could be slightly crowbarred in, Gally, but I, I just, I find it very hard to be objective here because I'm, I'm <laughs> attached to this one. I mean, uh, I don't get it wrong. So as a first time viewer of this, I was stunned that they killed Santa Claus in the first 10 minutes. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. When the radios are dropping down, I was like, they're showing the move, so they're not definitely dead, but yeah. they are dying. I mean, no. I was like, this is pretty harrowing stuff. The, like, the image of those two reindeer, is it Donner and Blitzen? Uh, mm. cl- collapsing in the snow is, is yeah. awful. It's really upsetting uh, and horrible. And you could read it that way, Matt, that they, they die there. And I, I never read it that way till I was preparing for our talk no, today. I, didn't. Uh, I, I read it as the elves come to save them and fulfill a prophecy. But yeah. you absolutely could read it that way, which makes it quite interesting uh, there. And yeah, I just added a layer this time. That was the only difference yeah, this time, yeah. really. Um, so when... Uh, but the the whole talk, <laughs> sorry, how confused. Okay. Are you? <laughs> so uh, the talk of the prophecy, because I maybe I was in and out on it. I was looking, I was really, really looking at the screen and trying to work out where everyone was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you miss? Well, did you miss Burgess Meredith? Burgess then? Meredith turns up with his big split beard, and he's like, "You gotta eat lightning and grab thunder. You gotta." <laughs> and I was. And he was talking about that, but, um, one thing that was, that we noticed when we were watching it was like, that he said, oh, and you will be Santa Claus, but there's yeah. no mm. reference to the fact that Santa is saint, but you, yeah, 
I don't know. I'm not very um, good at religion. I don't know if you have to be dead to be a saint. I know there's the phrase living saint, but I assume you have to be dead, right? To be sanctified. Back then it would it, have been dead. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you'd, you'd have been St. Nicholas. Okay. And we don't get that name. We might've got it on a few. I, I like uh, this idea of, of, of it being idealized, you know, like his, his vision of what he could have become as this man mm-hmm. who sadly died doing this kind of thing, because you don't have to explain all these little things. Like how does he get around the world and deliver these things? He yeah. lives forever. He's immortal. Like, you know, and then we get into the details that Dev's, kind of re- referring to like you don't really have to address it too much if it becomes that but no because but, we yeah, know that he's I'm an just... everlasting life now devlin as well yeah so that is an element of being a saint and and something magical so from that I, I, and patrick just married explains it doesn't he he's like how do i get around speed speed is what you need greasy speed <laughs> <laughs> you're a delivering machine <laughs> i thought that maybe when the old man was going to come out and then he was going to be like, uh, I've been doing this for ages with my big. Yeah, I'm retiring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That have, that. Yeah. I, but yeah. then it wasn't. Uh, and that was fine. Hmm. So they've been making these toys and there's for, this, for no one. I love the simple line though of exposition that's like, how can I do that in one night? It's like time, you know, time is on your side and just a little hmm. word from Burgess Meredith is all you need to know about how he can do Santa. And I quite like that. From this day on, now and forever. You will bring our gifts to all the children in all the world. And all this to be done on Christmas Eve. How can I do so much in just one night? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, know this. Time travels with you. That the night of the world is a passage of endless night for you until your mission is done. This is your legacy and your gift as is the gift of flight. Well, it, 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 this is what I believe. This is how I believed it when I was a kid because uh, I bought mm. well into Christmas and Santa. And, uh, you know, the way he twinkles up the chimney and just turns into fairy dust or whatever um did you see how they directed that they, they'd have the actors freeze freeze yeah within, within the scene where when so, um like, wait, what's his name something. is that the the fire bin it's like freeze now unfreeze <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they can just cut it in and it's so if you look there's a slight jump cut and the actors they kind of move slightly as they as they jump cut it's cool, in, but, yeah it's quite charming I will say, Patrick, you know, you mentioned that first hour where there's no story, but like I say, it's, you know, I don't mean to be dismissive about it, but it is very much like the Hallmark Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Look at the color scheme of the production design. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the design of the red suit was very specific and mentioned. And, um, you can see the money on screen. Like I'm looking at everything and it feels like it's all made out of real oak. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it looks absolutely mm. incredible and that that one 360 you know we talked about it in from Dustal door and that mm-hmm. 360 shot of just showing the entire yeah. factory floor of where the elves make their toys yeah. just yeah mag- truly magical yeah, and, k- um, kudos I- to um anthony pratt who's the production designer in here because i've said mm. it to you before but on a few scenes but i would love to work in you know a day's work with all those elves there and coordinating how what they should be doing i like the way they dance along and it's all kind of jolly and it, there's yeah. the the screen is filled completely filled there's no empty spaces with something to to feast your eyes on in the workshop when, when we 
you, you just drink it in. I think that is extraordinary. Um, like you said, Gally, the way it looks, I love the color scheme. It's shot in, um, Pinewood Studios here in England yeah. on yes. the Bond stage. Yeah. And I'm very, yeah, the more I watch that, the more I get impressed with it. And when I was a kid, I didn't, I don't know. I just kind of took it as, I believed in it. Like I it's said, amazing, isn't it? Like a magic trick. It's like uh, it's Pinewood for New York. How can how can that be? It's like, unbelievable. Yeah, the backlot stuff, it. Matt, that they did with the snow. Yeah. And it looks fantastic, doesn't it? I will say that they, they looks great. Oh, I could have done with a bit of a plot. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you, you get your hourglass book. montage, and you understand how the yeah. naughty list came about. You understand, uh, like the bowl mm-hmm. full of jelly. And then, boom, we're into a courtroom hearing with John Lithgow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nails in a, in a doll. <laughs> if anything, that would be more difficult to get that much broken glass and full stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's no razor blades in there as well. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so he just, uh, it's, it's an isolated instance. It's um, fucking Because <laughs> that's one of, the, one of the, the biggest problem I had with it was I just needed an avatar. Just needed someone to be introduced into this world. A kid, which they do later, but then don't do anything with it, and he just leaves him. It's best you stay here and get fed, actually, mate. I'll see you next year. We just needed someone to enter this world and then have it explained to them, as opposed to watch it, have Santa be our sort of protagonist, and then him just go away. Like, see you later, Santa. Uh, and then Dudley, same. It's like, is he our main character? Not really. He just is there. And then that's the problem. It, it kind of meanders through these different um, sort of plot threads. Uh, I say that loosely. But I don't have anything, one single person to hang my hat on and go, right, here's my character that I'm going to follow through this story. And that I, I did struggle because of that. I really did. I mean, luckily Lithgow turns up and is hanging it up big time. I mean, it's... How do you make your face so red? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a good point, because you have Santa as protagonist, but also for a bit, Patch, but not Mm -hmm. really. Yeah, Patch kind of takes over, doesn't he, for for a little while, and then it... That's what skewed it into an odd direction for for you guys. Then then you got the kids, though, Mm -hmm. so you got Cordelia and um, your your man, and it... I I get it, and and Gally, until I was dissecting this for today... all my previous feelings, I did not get the whole uh, adoptive subtext to it. Because, um, you know, the, in the the prophecy, it says a man without child uh, will, will go and they end up kind of adopting Cordelia and I've forgotten the lad's yeah. name. Uh, I want to say it's Joey. Boy. Hey, boy. Joe. Joe, I'm Joe. Uh, Joe, yeah, he says, Joe. Joe, I'm Joe. Um, yeah. I never got that at all till the end. And you, you, you've got... Um, the 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 older elves like well, I'm gonna have to learn to be a teacher now, <laughs> um, so that it, it is weird how that it is a bit fractured. I agree, Gally. Uh, it needed, it needed uh, some connective tissue between yeah. the worlds. Like it, it is there, like you uh-huh. can see it, and maybe maybe on a on a timeline. You know, when you when you're looking at a step out line for your your shooting schedule, you go, yeah, it's there, but. For whatever reason, it felt so disconnected. I mean, I started coming up with weird and wonderful subplots for Cordelia, like that she was a crazed horror character who actually <laughs> killed Joe. When, when she's like, you can stay in the cellar. No one goes down there. I was like, oh my God, she's going to murder him. Like, because she's so wholesome. I just didn't believe how wholesome she was. So I just thought, well, I can't believe they gag the kid though. Him. Like, tie him up. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty dark as well. Like, 
he's just chained to a pipe. If you die, <laughs> that would actually be fine for me. <laughs> and Dudley Moore, I just don't. Sometimes in this film, I don't really get his performance, and he's, he's sometimes. Well, a he bit said that too... he was playing um, a fictional brother, like as if he had a brother who was kind <laughs> <laughs> and did all the right things and said all nice things. So he's really stretching it here. I think. But uh, he I know good. him from uh, like. Derek and Clive, so I I know like him saying really disgraceful things. Yeah, yeah. like it's, it's very hard to to because I saw this film first and then discovered like uh, the Pete and Dud stuff later. It was very odd to see him doing that, and now I've been more into that than I have this film. And now revisiting the film, it's it's kind of it, it does give you whiplash. <clears throat> well, apparently Salcon saw him in Arthur. And, and there's a random right. line of dialogue in there that likens him to one of Santa's elves. And she mm. says that's, they, they say that that's how he got the job. Um, reducing Dudley Moore to elf puns just, oh, oh God, <laughs> so quickly. Yeah. They could have given yeah, him but, a scene on a piano where he improvised yeah, something. Yeah, that would have been like, good. Yeah. Yeah. He's great he, at that. Yeah. He is kind of. Elf made. So. On the making of that you were talking about, Patrick, he does this thing uh, that he's, he, he was part of like Beyond the Fringe and all that. And, and he did, uh, he did this thing like a Strauss parody that he called, uh, Deflabbergast. And he does this crazy piano, uh, thing and sings in a kind of a crazy way. And it's, it's really, really funny and clever because he's a really talented pianist as well. It kind of comes naturally to him. He, he studied music, didn't he? And that was kind of his first Yeah, he, he said he studied at Oxford, but it just all just sort of came to him. He couldn't yeah. really take credit for it, I don't think. He just came, it's in his blood. You know? It's a shame, isn't it, that this script doesn't really exploit that because, you know, I said it's a kind of pseudo uh, sort of uh, prototype for the elf that we, you know, most people now love with um, with Will Ferrell. But, like, you know, you've got a fish out of water in new york and they don't really do anything with it do they just like he's an elf everyone accepts mm. it there's no real yeah. challenge or conflict with the fact that he's an elf walking around new york well, he, he very it. quickly finds bz as well and then that's it that he he's there and he's just on his own drive now to impress santa but i i always i kind of feel, found that that was a weird again watching it again and and my sandwiches are firmly out and filled with Christmassy goodness because I love this film. But um, I did find it weird. Like he goes to New York and with an idea to go straight back to the North Pole to prove his worth to Santa. I was like, well, you could just do that there anyway. Like just maybe stop making toys out of just wood as well. I don't know. <laughs> Plastic. <laughs> they could have got a hold of, but I did. I, 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 John, listen, I'm gonna, can I tell my John Lithgow story before I get oh, to yeah. John uh-huh. Lithgow? Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> um, so I, a few years back, I was at, um, I was staying with work at a place called Holton House, uh, which is like an old, like, uh, British sort of, uh, her- heritage site. And, uh, Lithgow was there filming some drama. I think it was like a Netflix drama. I haven't actually seen it. I, I think it was The Crown. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and I, I got to meet him, uh, sat down, had a chat with him, and then I went for a whiz, uh, or as uh, as other listeners might know, a pee. Uh-huh. And John uh, uh-huh. <laughs> comes in, has a wee next to me in the cubicle. Uh-huh. Uh, I I went to the sink to wash my hands, and Lithgow didn't. And I was very, very disappointed. Oh! <laughs> and then afterwards, I, started, I, didn't, I didn't mention it when I sat down, because um, he was in <clears> like a... 
holding area, mm-hmm. which is where I was just sat because I was actually staying there uh, as a resident, not just for the filming. And uh, we were chatting away. I didn't mention it, but I did want to say, yeah, John, you forgot to wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> but, I would have been yeah. terrified. It's almost like a blowout cheese wire uh, situation. <laughs> you don't want to get into it with him in a, in a bathroom, do you? Well, no, I didn't want to go. I didn't want him going all cliffhanger on me and just being. I just left it where it was. But he was a very, very nice man, and um, yeah, I love him in this. He's just perfect. He's great. He's 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 a lot of cigars, so he probably just likes the, yeah. the essence of piss on his cigar. <laughs> <laughs> That's slanderous. I know. That's really bad. I love John Lithgow. He does oh. play it like Boise from uh, Fools and Horses. Like for, for <laughs> majority of he's so pantomime and big in this film. <laughs> I, it's, it does, it is the whiplash, the, the galley whiplash syndrome, but it works, I think. And it is an injection that, it comes at the right time with the film. The film never feels like it's about to do an 80s satirical look into corporate commodifying of Christmas, and all of a sudden it does. And Lithgow's got this weird Texan accent that doesn't suit. It's just like, just have him speak like Lithgow. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's, he and the judge are Texan in the trial. Ask yeah. Like, Orgon Lakehorn style as well. Like, really. Ah, see, ah, see, you seem to have filled your teddy bears with broken glass. <laughs> well, what do you say to that, sir? Well, Senator, I've always known that cigarette smoking could be hazardous to your health. <laughs> this is not a laughing matter, sir. This is a tragedy waiting to happen. You, sir, are disgraced to your profession. Um, Senator, with all... And I believe this toy is advertised as being suitable for three the behind the scenes is very revealing like the the director you, you can see on the making of this there's a lot of interesting b-roll where you can kind of see things come together did you watch this stuff patrick with the that there's like a long um kind of is segment it, on is on this with um patch and bz when they're discussing the talk and they they kind of make it's mostly how that they press shot conference it. bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's really interesting See him directing. I thought that was better than film school. I learned more in 10 minutes of that, that like oh, how sets really work. But also I was he... quite impressed with him and how he delivered his, um, the director and how he communicated with them. I, I thought he Apart seemed from like that one moment where he, uh, he, he chastises a, a dwarf or a dwarf. <laughs> dwarf. An elf. He's quite good. <laughs> What's it? That reminds me of the office where it's like, What's the difference between a dwarf and a midget? <laughs> he he chastises one of the uh, one of the elves for um, not being able to pass the parcel properly, and he's yelling <laughs> at him, and accuses him of being deaf and that he's never going to get it. Uh, and all of that B roll that you you wouldn't I mean, normally that would be enough to cancel a director probably, yeah. but you don't really see stuff like that. And you could see that he just had all this work to do and he had to get on with it. And, uh, you, you could see how this scene was coming together and Lithgow is suggesting stuff yeah. and Dudley Moore is disagreeing and then they come to a kind of an arrangement together. Uh, it, it was, it reminded me of like the Peter Jackson King Kong diaries stuff that goes really deep into how films are made, but this one was uncut. So yeah, yeah. you could see like warts and all. It was, it was really great. Oh, I need to, I need to see that then because it's, it's really they, good. Because there's the making the most- of Galley, but then the one Matt's talking of is this specific on the, when BZ and Patch first meet and talk in the boardroom and uh, the press conference thing. Yeah, it's, it's really yeah. good. 
you see it come together. It's like, can you be louder? And, and Lithgow says things like, when I say this line, can you ask the crowd to be louder and uh, make it more of a moment? And I was a bit suspicious of Lithgow. I was like, you're just trying to get it, get yourself to look good here. But, um, it, it looked like he was trying to aid the scene. He looked like he was trying to help. Yeah. yeah I um, think so. The, the script work. I don't think it was coming from an ego perspective. But no, he's, was, and he's, he made, was he started off in theater. So maybe he was just, uh, he was yeah, very he much into a, into a kind of panto because it is a, it's a pantomime villain, isn't it? And he's, yeah. he's obviously aware of what's needed then. Um, in order to achieve that, so and, no, and as I'll far as Dudley Moore, I think he liked hanging out with those girls from the from the uh, the advert. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. He was having a, a fun time with those birds. He was calling them birds. Yeah. Those birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Patrick, you got any favourite scenes before we um, we wrap up on Santa Claus the movie? Uh, well, of course, I'm, I'm going to do it again, like I did um, Gremlins. So just a quick comment on the reindeer, which I think look fucking awesome in this film. I think the animatronics and the design of that, and again, Matt, in the making of, I, I love how they were creating and crafting that and, and figuring out how to, um, to move them. Uh, mm. I thought all of that was pretty extraordinary, actually, and, and part of the magic of the film for me. There's, there's two great shots of reindeer. <laughs> um, there's one when Patch is introducing them all, and one of them just sh- very, um, shyly pokes his head around the corner and then goes away again. Yeah. I think it's Comet and that cracks me up every time. There's another one where he covers his eyes with his ears <laughs> when he's flying. I think, is it Donna? That might be Donna, I think. He's scared uh, of heights. <laughs> I, I love that shot and I love the shot when uh, Burgess Meredith's um, wizard uh, is, is addressing him and one of them pokes his head around behind Santa and Santa just waves him away. Because it's just mm, so... Yeah. I love the yeah. emotive... Ris- um, uh, facial expressions of these reindeer i think it's a real triumph actually at the time because it's not henson it's it's um their own but it's so good mm. and favorite scene we haven't spoke about it matt but the super duper looper right yeah yeah the super duper looper. doing it but i cry every time <laughs> I... <laughs> it's great it makes no sense because it no. takes longer for him to do the loop yeah. to get background but i mean it gets the result and fine and it is a real he just of... likes the tension of maybe he catches the kids maybe he drops them <laughs> but he times it perfectly which doesn't make any yeah. sense and it is great fun and um i've written my notes here it's christmassy and ridiculous ridiculous and christmassy mm, very good yeah you know, Davlin, you've been you've been quiet on this one. Any any favourites <laughs> from this film? <laughs> well, I would. What I was going to say was that um, uh, I I found it kind of obviously a bit confusing and and quite long, but not in a bad way. I don't think any of these are like marks against it as such. And I think it would be an amazing film to put on like on Christmas Day while you're like fussing around and preparing other stuff of how long and how picturesque it is uh, uh, and that it's you know even though it's long it's, it's constantly just doing more things there's another montage and another weird treacly song and stuff and uh, uh, all the optical effects and the matte paintings and the set design is fantastic oh they're incredible yeah uh, so yeah I did actually find it kind of uh, kind of kind of interesting and I reckon I would watch it again at a Christmas Maybe if we got you a bit younger, Dave, yeah, maybe we would. Definitely. If I'd have been on this when I was like five, six, seven, yeah, I think it would have been in rotation. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think I will definitely watch that first hour again because though it is puritanical and just overly wholesome and sincere, there is something magical about it. Like just it's the it's the detail. I think you know I can understand Patrick why this is your Santa Claus because <laughs> they, they they nailed the red cheeks, the fat, the kind of the bloated look, and he's just so bloody nice. Even when he's being mean, he's being like even handed. And genuine and lovely. Well, I, lo- I love Mrs. Claus. I love Anya as well. She she's yeah. great in this. Who is actress? Um, I recognised her. But I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, uh, a name. She's oh, a she's from actress. Keeping Up Appearances yeah. with uh, Hyacinth from right. Oh my god, it is her, yeah. isn't it? That's, a, yeah, That's yeah. incredible. The, 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 is it the sister-in-law or the sister? I can't remember. On- uh, yeah. Onslow's wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've not mentioned it, but there is a danger with these kind of overly wholesome christmas depictions of it kind of feeling a little bit creepy you know especially when you get the folk that you know the whole, the whole santa claus origin you know he's just going around giving christmas presents. you could easily get that where it ends up feeling a, a touch um i don't know like how you can't have a word as original advert now with granddad <laughs> and son on me where at least with this i felt like it was so Christmas was, is cancelled. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Weather's originals cancelled. <laughs> yeah, well, they have Christmas um, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found it to be pure, and it kind of it charmed me. You've uh-huh. charmed me. You've charmed, charmed me. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was the first hour. The, the second bit, mm, I, I I think I'll just leave that in the Lithgow. Well, the it, Lithgow back. Even with Anya, I, I feel like this film's quite. Uh, we spoke about its influence, but Anya, I see her as Mrs. Claus in. Arthur Christmas, the, the Ardman film. Uh, and yeah. there, there's a, like the sleigh, the look, there's, the music's very good actually in this film. I really like it, um, as well. We haven't touched upon that, but for me, it, again, it's yeah. more to do my association with it. Who is it? It's, uh, Mancini. Yeah. Uh, Mancini? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Henry Mancini, yeah. Um, and I, I love all that. I love the song at the end, Christmas All Over the World. There's, massive stories about Freddie Mercury was supposed to sing that and Paul McCartney had a song for this film and budgetary wise like it's astonishing because it's reported to be between 30 to 50 million uh, and at, at the time you know like I, I think it was um that there's certain films at the time you look at the budget comparisons and it, it's extraordinary that this costs so much and it took 25 million back at the box office but um I I just I don't know. Every time I watch it now, I'm just getting a new layer. I've said about the adoptive parent thing and taking in Joe at the end and kind of making their life complete. I don't really understand why he hasn't picked up a child in the last 600 years or, or notice homeless children before and just ignores them for 12 months at a time anyway. But um that's on the side. And there's an advertising thing, which is a bit weird with Coca-Cola and McDonald's. But I do specifically remember being a child and looking at McDonald's in this when Joe looks in like, oh, yeah, that looks great. Or the Coca-Cola. I was there and then snow. Darlington looking in the window. Yeah. Look at those hamburgers. <laughs> with the Coca-Cola in the snow, Matt, as well. I'm like, oh, that Coca-Cola looks <laughs> yeah. fucking awesome. Like, the, yeah, it does. It is an odd film, but I love it. You can taste that Coca-Cola. It's really strange that how effective it is. Like when Ooh. I was a kid, it, it made me addicted to Coca-Cola and McDonald's, I think, this film. God. So it's got a lot to answer. Yeah, for. I, yeah. I think you and I but are very I, similar on this, Matt, which is really cool. Yeah, this is probably the one we've clicked on the most. Actually. I think so. We, yeah. We've got a shared history with it, but I, I find it like it's, it's almost a melancholy feeling. Uh, I, I'm transported back to being a kid when I watch it. Me too. And, but but I felt very grateful that I can still. I mean, I cried at the, the super duper. Super, every time. Really. Every but time. It, 
I'm, I'm also grateful that I can access that, like particularly at Christmas, just for a moment, all the cynicism disappears and it's like the magic of film and the magic of Christmas kind of combined. And it's quite a saccharine film and, and all of your uh, criticisms are totally valid, but, um, it was a pleasure to to revisit this one, and uh, thanks, Patrick, for choosing it. It was great. Nice. One. Well, chaps, all I can say is please hold that goodwill because I've got my choice coming up next. Um, but, but yeah, that was. Uh, I, I did enjoy it, Patrick. Uh, oh, good, good. Part, more than just... more than Darby or Gill, then, yeah, Dev. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have done with a, it could have done with a couple more Irish accents. But apart from that, <laughs> awkwardly broadly shot dance sequences that never end. <laughs> Yeah, a good ten minutes just round, you know, round in circles. <laughs> I'm going to get you with a musical in the new year, so don't worry. Oh, brilliant! Thanks for that. 2021, carrying on 2020. Then thanks a lot. <laughs> right then, are we ready for for my choice? So, um, so listeners, I have been slightly mischievous because I've chosen a film that I watch every year, um, but I objectively know is not exactly a very good film. But it, it hits all the sweet spots. And I also know that one of our hosts here absolutely hates it. <laughs> um, I, I picked it because, uh, you know, conflict makes, you know, makes for better drama. So here we go. Uh, I've chosen, uh, 2003's Love Actually. Dare I give you a plot? There are just so many threads. However, none of them ever really fulfilled. You sort of just cut that middle bit out where you meet someone, fuck the stuff where you get to know them, <laughs> get straight. Um, so, the plot of Love Actually follows the lives of nine very different couples in dealing with their love lives in various loosely interrelated tales, all set during a frantic month before Christmas in good old London, England, because it is very, very London-centric. Uh, directed by, of course, Richard Curtis. Let it be said, listeners, that I am no Richard Curtis stan. He's a dreadful director. Um, however, this film works for me. So... Off you go. I, I actually probably say uh, the origins of me watching it every year at Christmas probably started after university because I was overly cynical and could not abide. It started probably 2010, 2010, so about 10 why years ago. Why did you soften, Gally? Well, what, what, why did I not abide? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I kind of identify with the whole thing. I'm not watching Richard Curtis films. Uh, you know, but then at some point I, I flipped on it. Was there anything that, that made you watch this in the first place? I think it's age. I think, you know what it is? It's age. And it's also that, um, that thing that I've always had, which is I rally against, um, movements that are, you know, taken from everybody and, and popularized. I just immediately rally against it. Mm. Oh, uh, Star Wars and Mandalorian. Oh, it's supposed to be great. I won't watch it then. Just, I don't need to hear oh, a thousand okay. people screaming at me. No, I know it's bad. It's bad, but I will watch it, but it'll be in yeah. like 10 years time. And then I'll go on your terms when you're ready for it. On my terms. I don't like being dictated. You know, Game of Thrones, it, it took me seven yeah. years to start watching it. And I was like, oh, this is actually yeah. really good. Yeah, I, I did the same with Breaking Bad. I didn't watch Breaking Bad until the final season was airing and I just watched it all in one go. So I was the same with that. I just wondered why. Is it age then you think? Yeah, I think it's age and, and you, you, I don't know. I, I become, I, I'm always a sucker for this. You know, you know this. Anyone who's been listening to the show since day dot, well, thanks for sticking with us. Um, but I have, I've got that side of me that will believe in the magic of cinema and that you can kind of, it transcends logic and realism. 
and for whatever reason, Love Actually just hits the notes where it's a, it's almost it's not a perfect Christmas movie. If anything, you could argue it's not even a Christmas movie, but it it, it feeds into that idea that it's a fresh start. You know, you come into the end of the year. And it also does that thing that I absolutely love, which is the idea of love at first sight, love being the thing that conquers all. So yeah, bit of a sucker for it, I'm afraid. Um, over to you, Devlin. Oh, <laughs> so I've, I've seen Love Actually. I thought I'd seen all of Love Actually, and I, I think I'd probably seen about 70% of it over the course of a couple of Christmases over the past few years. Um, it's never really appealed to me. Uh, I... But I thought, you know what, I should really give this a shot because, um, you know, prejudging things is a, is, is, is a terrible idea. Judging things on half watches. I was probably watching it prejudiced when I was younger, certainly because I, I mm. would have, like you're all saying, I would have probably just had like a kind of an inbuilt resistance to it. Um, it's an inbuilt resistance to, like we all, certainly in our younger days, not maybe not all of us, but I'll admit it, that like you were saying, sometimes don't intentionally watch or engage with things that are very, very popular because you reckon you're better than that, which is, of course, not true. Yeah. But, you know, you're 17 and you're convinced that you're dead special in that. So this came out, what, 2003? <laughs> so I would have been like 19 is just about the right age to just be kind of a bit of a prick about it. Um, I've never been particularly enamored of, of many romantic comedies, probably just because I didn't watch a great deal of them when I was younger. So I don't have much kind of... Uh, uh, residual kind of uh, goodwill towards them. I've been uh, shown, uh, Kiara's been quite good at kind of, she's a big uh, proponent of the genre, so she has actually been kind of helping me to sort of appreciate it a little more. Um, and it's not that I think that they're all like trash and that they should all be flushed. I just feel like maybe it's not my specific brand of trash. I realize that a lot of things that I do like would also come under the uh, the general banner of being, you know, cultural detritus. But this is a long-winded way of saying I really wanted to like this one, Gally. I really, really tried. I watched it properly, and I watched it with somebody who likes it, and I tried to talk my way through it, and uh, I got to the end of it, and um, I, I... You went on a murderous rampage? rampage. The first thing I thought of was like, and this probably isn't what Richard Curtis wanted you to think of, was like, uh, uh, my first thought was... um, Fucking fuck what? This this country had a collective <laughs> madness around yeah. Tony Blair that makes me cringe. <laughs> to look it's it's very true, isn't it? It's very yeah. true. I mean, you're not wrong that, that that we're supposed to like these people and that they always got a guitar. It's oh god, and it was like it was. It, so that kind of encapsulated the idea of the kind of the very, uh, the the sort of the the smug chipperness that encapsulated the late 90s through early 2000s well devlin let's be fair not to say that we're a political show but yeah. the bumbling brit yeah. has now become a prime minister based on the bumbliness of it oh, all and God. all the characters in this like hugh grant colin firth who i think does it better um yeah. they're they're all just like oh, but, but, but i just can't say what i want to say it I'm is just gonna fall but I, I, there's something about it that um, it charms me again. <laughs> just like you know what, it's the it's the belief that I know that you know with all the films that we've discussed in part one and in part two, I know ostensibly that Love Actually is utter folly. <laughs> it is a it's a fantasy film, 
anyone who watches this, um, who, who believes that this is real depiction of <laughs> London, England is just in another, well, they're in the bubble that the characters are in. They're not living the life. You know, Liam Neeson's kitchen is fucking expensive. Yeah. In the- <laughs> if I could just, uh, um, get one thing off my chest, which is the fuck Chris Marshall and his whole plot. <laughs> Oh, that was awful. And he's got a big knob. Was, looking back on that, that has aged so badly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big um, and the whole plot where, um, I mean, obviously the film is constructed on, like you say, a very over kind of, it's very stylized. It's open. It's not visually stylized. stylized. But yeah, the the storyline being like these little vignettes and they and they just, they go where they need to get to. Uh, you drop in on them, and but his part of just I turned up in Milwaukee, like nothing actually happens with his story. He turns up at some like you know what looks to be kind of broken down redneck bar. There's already women who have no character. Oh, January Jones, January oh. Jones selling us not not selling herself. Sure, it's not her fault, but you know, just I I felt weird for all of the 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 actresses in it because you know it was Shannon Elizabeth and uh, uh, Elisha Cuthbert. Zelish Cuthbert, yeah, Alicia, Alicia Cuthbert, um, and I just I wondered where it was going, and then it ended up just going to sort of the the, the stupidest and kind of greenest. It's the carry on section that, yeah, I I guess I just that's one of the problems with the ensemble where you, you can't really tell a full story with each one, so you have to be really careful. If you look at something like Shortcuts, that which I know he was influenced by, or uh, Nashville, which he loves, or like something that I love, like Magnolia. You know, you have to be really careful. There's so many storylines going on. It all has to fit together as one. And you've got one there that is completely, uh, it's, it's indefensible really, isn't it? There's, well, there's nothing. Th- there's also it. an element of that, that Chris Marshall bit as well. And funnily enough, when I was, when I thought I saw this at the cinema when it came out, uh, 2003 and I found that hilarious and I found, I found it really funny in, the Chris Marshall stuff and, and growing up, I have a, I, I'm in agreement with you now because like, whoa, shit, this is weird. And how did this, uh, you know, this is proper, um, confessions of a <laughs> window cleaner type <laughs> British filmmaking. <laughs> and he could reboot that. <laughs> yeah. And then when I watched it this week, um, the problem I had with it was it was a waste. Rich Curtis has had this criticism of this film that it's all rich white people, uh, in, in their, as Gally said, in Liam Neeson's massive kitchen, etc. And he's the only mm. kind of working class character, him and the AD, the assistant director, who, who's a black character. There's only two of them. Um, and I was like, what a waste of everyone's ri- Oh, I suppose like there's a rough end of Wandsworth for, um, Tiffany, but, yeah. uh, mm. what a waste of the character because everyone's so rich and there's no problems there. I wanted to get more into his character from a financial point of view, because that's the criticism that Richard Case has. And it, he just squandered it, squandered the character, squandered the, the circumstance that he's in. And it's, it's just and, silly and yeah, farcical. Kind of cashed in on the, on the sort of overnight success of this, of this kid. Cause he was like, he was in the, what was it? I want to say it was like two My point. Family. Yes. My family. He was the break. And, and, uh, there's no attempt. That's the thing. Is yeah. You can't squander something that you never even, att- you never had any intention of even delivering. So in, in, there's loads, there's multiple of sins in love actually, but within the nine, um, sort of connections that are represented, there are some that are just utter, just 
kind of just fillers. Uh, but there, there were ones that do charm me. I mean, the Colin Firth Aurelio story uh, is probably my favourite. And it's because it's all done. You know, Colin Firth is just great at doing the the sort of the bumbling Brit. I think he does it better than Hugh. Um, you've got the Prince and the Pauper story with Hugh and and Martin McCutcheon, which for whatever reason, there's a real weird, you know, the bit that really clanked with me last night. I, I never got that the assistant, whoever's running the, the prime minister's house, she makes like a joke about her weight. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Hugh, huge oh, lies. She says, She's not even yeah. fat. And, that, that, and that's what she said about her boyfriend and she's like a bit of an arsehole and it's not nice mm. but it's, played, it's played as a gag as if it's like oh yeah I've noticed it too I was like is it? I was like that's like really cruel but then you, you get a funny reaction from Hugh he was like mm, would we say that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. but yeah the, the Prime Minister going up against Billy Bob stuff is just nonsense Like, and they keep saying the previous administration like yeah we get it um, <laughs> they're all they're all um, were you not just putting Boris into the, all the situations to see what it would be like if it was Boris? Yeah. Like dancing like, through the... Boris 100% would try and have sex with the tea lady. <laughs> <laughs> David and Beckham's failed. left foot. <laughs> it's an awful, awful, awful film. And I, watch, <laughs> I, 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 I watch it every year on Christmas Eve. So that's where I stand on it. It's It's dreadful. I can't defend it. It's got so many problems. Uh, the, the Vulture article skewered it so well for me. I can't remember the name of the writer, but um, she just nailed it. Like every single scene in it, uh, every single character in it, she she tore it apart. And I can't really view it as anything other than just being a largely offensive <laughs> thing. But uh, it, it's I, I, I wow, shit. Every every year, I, I why it. I think why it's because. It, it's it's British, I think. I want everything else on my list is American, and I want something. I think that that I, but I can't relate to it either, so I don't really know why. It's like Andy Lincoln. I can't relate to him. Uh, I, I guess I'm with you, Gali, on 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 the story that I like the most is the Aurelia, um, Colin Firth story. But I I don't really see after after I read that article. It's like. She, she's a woman who, who basically he falls in love with because she, he can't communicate with her and she doesn't speak and she doesn't say anything. And yet they form this, they form this bond. It's, it's a film that really doesn't like women, I think. Uh, and, and ironically, uh, most of the fans of the film are women, but, um, it's, it's kind of a peculiar one. I, I've, I, it's a real guilty pleasure because I do get some pleasure from it. But I mean, Devlin talks about the trash that he likes. Like, this is the trash that I like, I suppose. I, I don't know. <laughs> I do like the, you know, the, like I say, you're right. Um, I, I will say this though, you know, most romantic comedies, it's about characters not being able to communicate. And I get that they, they literally do not say a word to each other that's reciprocated properly because of the, the, the fact that he can't speak Portuguese very well and she can't speak English and, but I quite like that. That's the, that's the most playful. I guess it's the way that the actors sell it. You know, she does a great job. Colin Firth does a great job. The comedy feels, feels like it's the right tone. And, and, and it's only because it's so short. I'm, you could have an entire film of that story, but Curtis is going into the, he's going into the, the back catalog, isn't he? I mean, even the, um, I was thinking about the Andrew Lincoln story. 
which obviously has its problems. Uh, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. But the the idea of a character having unrequited love that isn't fulfilled, well, he did that in Four Weddings and a Funeral. You know, if you've ever watched it, the Kristen Scott Thomas character loves Hugh Grant, but has to bite a tongue and and not. You know, you never see that fulfillment. So, and he knows that 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 particular scene worked in that film. So he's like, we will do it again, but this time I'm going to go for a an over the top romantic gesture, which unfortunately this current government uh, co opted as a oven deal Brexit thing, which I was not a big fan of. Um, But now has become its own meme, which is fine because it is meme worthy because it's ridiculous. What do you think about Andy Andy Lincoln's intentions in that scene? He's telling her and then he walks away smugly and says enough, enough now. And, yeah, but he's yeah. just, he's just ruined his relationship with his best friend. His if best, his best mate, friend, he's the best man. If what he not? finds out that what he said, that's over. Also, how is he ever going to continue to be friends with Kira Knightley afterwards with her having the knowledge that he loves her? Yeah. It, it's, he, he should have just it's, kept it to himself. There's so much that he has to act like a really distant prick around her. Like, oh, you can't possibly be attracted to someone and also treat them like a person. Right. This is the, yeah. that whole well, idea it, of being friend zoned. I hate that. You know, the, the idea that you, that you couldn't be a f- friends with a girl. You know, that's the worst thing in the world. You know, it's just not true at all. Yeah. You know? the, only way, the only way you can rationalize it is he goes to the States, uh, gets an American accent and stars in a zombie apocalypse uh, TV. <laughs> Thing. Like, yeah. enough, enough. I'm, I'm done with England. I'm off to the States. I think mm-hmm. they, it's a device though, to get that, that I, very popular scene with him at the door with the, with the words yeah. and the music because. It started from there that he just, he wanted to do the Bob Dylan. I, maybe. Because <laughs> that is a big moment, isn't it? The one that everyone really remembers. That's the one that's been spoofed a lot, hasn't it? With, yeah. Like you said, with Boris and they did it with the Love Actually 2 kind of Red Nose Day stuff that they did a little bit. I, I no. saw one. Literally, uh, uh, yesterday, which was, uh, a guy who, who had done some detective work and, and realized that Kira Knightley was only 17 when she shot that scene. Oh, really? He's revealing the cards and he's like, but to you, I just want to say good luck in your A levels. (laughs) 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 Double thumbs up. Good lord. Uh, it's, it, I, I saw that devil and you sent it to me and I thought that was very, very funny. Very <laughs> for, for all of yeah, our the, criticism though, there are some, for me, some really heart rendering, like heartbreaking stuff. In talking about Emma Thompson. Well, yeah. I'll come to Emma Thompson, but I, I also find a lot of interest in, oh God, I, I failed. The American actress who falls in love with, um, her office Laura counterpart. Linney. Laura Linney, thank you. I find a lot in that. Um, and the trouble that she, the kind of conflict that she's going on. I think she, she's particularly good in this film and, and it's a story I'm kind of interested in and, and hold on to and their love interest. And he, he, he's quite interesting. Cause, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I never fully understood kind of how he, he, he ruined it or I kind of hoped he wouldn't ruin it and would be okay. You, support well, he didn't do anything wrong help. right it was the, it was the and he didn't really do it. anything wrong and you know him saying can you just ignore the phone call you know d- would, would it matter if you didn't answer it i think that's where he did, did do it wrong he, he maybe should have been more understanding that way but um i do take a lot from their relationship and from bill nye and rapsy and Nesbitt. yeah that's a, that, that's one Swing of the, the one of the ones <laughs> yeah, it's really quite nice and affectionate, and um, obviously the, there's a bit of a case of the not gays when he's like, "Let's watch some." <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but, it, but it works as a kind of bromance story. Yeah, I like all that a lot. Um, and then Emma Thompson makes me cry every Christmas. Yeah, I, I don't. The only thing with the Emma Thompson one is it's kind of been done to death because of a certain prominent British film critic who seems to fucking go OTT about yeah, Emma Thompson. I don't Thompson's understand that at all. I don't it's, it's great, but there are loads of them. I mean, you know, the tragic, the tragic case of Liam Neeson being in this film and then six years later actually having those very circumstances happen. I find all that stuff now watching it in retrospect, having known what's happened with him and his yeah. and his former former wife, like really heart-wrenching. But Liam Neeson's great and we've obviously taken the piss out of him and taken, but I'd love Liam Neeson as me dad when he's like, you're fucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been Please. Rob Roy. Uh, I played Zeus. <laughs> no, I'm not believing it's a single dad. <laughs> it's wonderful, and uh, and and I just find yeah, there's a, there's enough goodness in it, even though I know that it's complete fantasy and folly. That I just kind of go with it, Devlin. Like I know for all of its faults, watching it objectively, you could tear it from a fucking arse paper. Just something about it that just hits, and it's only because it's Christmas. Because there's no way I'm watching Love Actually in March. Yeah, I think there's like a a disengage button that I have, or something that I can just switch it off for for these two hours once a year and and watch it. Because I don't watch anything like this. That it's really not in my wheelhouse at all. But for some reason, Christmas Eve, Love Actually, I don't. Yeah, and it's burned so many sins, like New Year's Eve. Valentine's yeah, yeah. Day. that's what I, mean, all, I was just gonna say is that what I'm surprised about a, a little is that I mean I guess just because we didn't have all that many high profile kind of you know the whole working title Richard Curtis thing was essentially the only visible part of the, the British film industry for the longest time and this is kind of you know the apex of it it's the uh it's the hubristic apex the point at which he's decided that well they love my romantic comedies i'm gonna fucking give them nine all at once four weddings is, is four weddings something that you that you like at all of all of them i, I it's kind of the at least it's right i like about mm-hmm. time about times uh got a special place for my heart yeah, I did. Uh, I that is one of Kara's uh, favorites, and I was skeptical because I didn't want to watch it just in case I hated it. And that that would be it. Luckily, <laughs> I did find it very. Um, is is quite sweet. Yeah, yeah it down. Four Weddings works works better for me. I I can watch that quite comfortably. I mean, there's there's a couple of cringy, you know, bumbling Englishman moments that you think, oh god. Yeah, but it's uh, they it, love doing posh swearing in that one, didn't they? It's true. There's a, it's a bit more swearing, yeah. And Rowan Atkinson's first words of the film, though. The, the first words of the film, aren't they? Just fuck, 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 fuckity fuck. Fuckity yeah. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. There's uh, also a, a line, the worst line contender. Like in Four Weddings, the, the one that's notorious is, uh, "Is it raining? I hadn't noticed." Oh yeah. Uh, from Andy McDowell. But in this one, I think there's an even worse one. It's when uh, Mia, uh, Alan Rickman's, the girl that has a crush on Alan Rickman. And she says, you're not who I think you are, are you? It could oh, be yeah. the worst line. God, it's flat, isn't it? God, it's awful. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah I know the one. Bloody hell. Rickman there is not doing any acting. That, is, that was Alan Rickman, I think, just being He himself. said that subtlety, you know, we talked about the Robin Hood one. Like he said subtlety is overrated, and I think he's right, because <laughs> I'd rather have him as the sheriff than whatever he's doing here. <laughs> 
<laughs> but talking of over top stuff as well then uh in the film that does work for me and i find very funny is the martin freeman uh uh, Stacy from oh. Gavin and Stacy section, because um, I always joke that that's my job. It, that's what I do. It, I'm the and the guy is like just um now massage the the breasts, please. Uh, <laughs> now, I've never worked on a film like that. But... By the way, for the lighting, why would they need to be massaged? Uh, for oh, comedy. <laughs> Yeah, just having someone doing light readings on a tip. But, but, just for no reason. but the, the, when they say like an angle, the breast towards the camera, you would say that. Yeah, that's the, fine. But the, 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 the massaging massage. for the lighting purposes is not really. <laughs> the best is when uh, they're both naked and she's just riding and uh, they're just talking about isn't that when he's like, any chance I could ask you for a point? <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, uh, that's when she's giving him a, a fake blowjob. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like, oh, that never really goes that Doesn't well. he do a little fist pump as well? Yeah, he gets a little. Oh, I hate the bit where he gets the. He's at her door and he jumps down like a little hobbit and he he does like. Uh, <laughs> he does a broken <laughs> leg walk, doesn't he? he like he yeah. does a like a, a sub Gervais woohoo or something. I don't know what it is, but it's, I don't. It's, like it's it. in every trailer for Christmas films coming up yeah. this year. Uh, every time. Yeah. Well, well, I think uh, I think we've we've kind of gone through all the favourites and or not so favourites on Love Actually. So yeah, unless Devlin. Any more scorn? <laughs> it's Christmas, man. Also, as Matt has pointed out, it's been skewered so relentlessly and so kind of accurate. Read that. If, if you want to hear what someone skewering it is like, just read that vulture it, it, um, it, review. It's all the it's all the stuff that that kind of that that occurs to you while you're watching it. And I, I yeah, I don't want to 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 destroy anyone's uh, festive cheer here, you know. But uh, no, I did not think it was a good film. And I honestly, like with Santa Claus the movie, I will not be watching it again. <laughs> <laughs> so in a strange way, Gally, our nice list is Devlin's naughty <laughs> list, uh, which is a real yeah. twist there. It's as if we planned it, um, but we didn't. <laughs> but I kind of knew certain people that you can read in the room. And I, <laughs> I have a feeling that Devlin wouldn't get much out of love, actually, other than hate, which is... Uh, you know, that's the Grinch that stole Christmas, isn't he? I, I did, I did try and sum it up with a line and it was, uh, it's like Magnolia without the cocaine and with more people <laughs> saying bugger. <laughs> so if you want that, then, then go for it. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, there we, there we are. So Patrick, where can we find Santa Claus the movie? Oh, I was just looking. You literally got me typing oh. that up because I forgot. I own it on DVD. I got it. Uh, sadly, it, it's not streamable for free here. You have to pay for it on Amazon or Apple TV, you YouTube, Google it. Play. I now own yeah. Santa Claus the movie on Amazon. <laughs> well, something good came out of this thing. <laughs> yeah, good for you. It's also not available in Korea, so no one can get it. Uh, I'll pay for that, Devlin. That can be a Christmas present, okay? Ah, uh, you sweet up. <laughs> and Love Actually is on Now TV. And oh, Sky very Go. good. Love Actually. Yeah. It's, on, it's on Sky currently every day. Uh, <laughs> <if you're>, uh, <laughs> it's also widely available, and I'm, I'd imagine the Beeb will probably BBC will probably pop it on in the UK or ITV. One of those will get it as well. And it also features um, one of Matt's other favourite films, which is why he watches it every year: Titanic. To be continued, right? It's coming. To be continued, indeed. We need Kate, Can't... Kate and we need Leo. <laughs> right now. <laughs> <And> right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh no! Well, fantastic. Well, yeah. As you say, um, it's been wonderful. Uh, I would, I would get you a copy, Devlin, of Love Actually, but I'd already sent you a towel. So unfortunately, I'm all out of brass, so I can't do that. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll say our goodbyes. But it's been an absolute pleasure, listeners. Merry Merry Christmas from us here at the Rewind Movie Podcast. We hope you have a, a joyful holiday season, no matter how you celebrate it. Um, and, and yeah, we will see you in the new year where Titanic is looming. And also we have a, a sexy erotic season. Coming. <laughs> yeah, so. Do we? We do. We do. Matrix. <laughs> um, so we'll, uh, we'll say our goodbye, shall we team? Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go with uncle, uncle Bill as always. But when I was young and successful, I was greedy and foolish. And now I'm left with no one wrinkled and alone. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's Gally in Glasgow. Oh, piss it. It's Devlin in London. <laughs> See you all in March for Christmas too! <laughs> it's Patrick in London. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hate Uncle Jamie. Merry Crimbo, everybody. It's Oh, we Australia. missed the... I forgot the wrong... The best fucking joke of the whole films we were looking at, which is, yes, Ant or Deck. <laughs> 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 The blue are very, very talented. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was a pleasure. We'll catch you in the new year, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Rewind Movie Podcast. No beginning